In Acts 20, verse 20, these are God's words. How I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house. Here the apostle reminds the Ephesian elders of that which helped, and it doesn't help because of how clever the apostle was or skilled. Uh, it helps because God is the one who helps. And so since it depends upon God who has appointed this way of helping, uh, it is the ministry to which they too are called. Uh, not only because God is the only one who can help, because uh, as he will say not too many verses from now, the church belongs to God. He bought it with his own blood. His spirit is the one who installs the overseers that are there. And so they are not, as it were, their own men. They must do what God has appointed to be done by which to help his people. And so he says that as he served the Lord with all humility and many tears and trials in verse 19, this service was in keeping back nothing that was helpful. But note what he goes on to say, but proclaimed it to you and taught you. And this already reminds us and teaches us that every help is in the word of God. This is what he uses to do his work. He had given us a hint of this already by the way that he created. God used his word to create it. He spoke, uh, and it was. He commanded, uh, and it stood fast. And so he used his word to create an anticipation of the word, the one who is the Word of God, God the Son, or the second person of the triune God, the Word becoming flesh, and the Word being the one who redeems us, the one by whom God redeems us. And therefore he has used his words as an expression of this. As he says in Psalm 138, he has exalted his Word above all his name. And that is, of all the different ways that God displays uh, t uh, or communicates to us who he is, it is especially his word. And now we hear that his word is not only a display of who he is, it is the means by which he works. It is the means by which he helps us. We may think that uh, there are many things that we need to do, uh, and it is true, there are many things that are commanded. There are many things that are right and good and proper and even helpful. But it is his word by which God works. And so every help is in the word. Uh, there are other ordained means of grace by which the Lord has appointed to make effectual to the believer what his word says. But the word contains everything that is helpful. There are no other means of grace but those which the word uh, commands and tells us about. And they never apply anything to us that it is that is not itself communicated to us by the word. And so the faithful shepherding with which the apostle is reminding the elders they have been the beneficiaries of is a shepherding by the word. And the faithful shepherding which the Apostle is now calling the elders to continue in Ephesus, is shepherding by way of the word. 
And husbands and fathers, therefore, as those who are called to be shepherds in the congregation, their ministry is primarily a ministry of the word. And we see that even, don't we, at the end of Ephesians 5 and the beginning of Ephesians 6, the husband who loves his wife is imitating Christ, who loves his wife how and why, that he might uh, sanctify her by washing of water with the word to present her to himself blameless in the last day. And what husband can think that he is loving or providing for or protecting his wife if he is aiming at something lower than her being presented to Christ, perfect in the last day? So the shepherding of a husband is primarily by way of the word. And the shepherding of a father. Do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Both of which words um, uh, have primarily in their content the word. And so the word is what God uses to train us, to furnish us for every good work. Uh, as the apostle will say to Timothy uh, in uh, almost the last of his writing in the New Testament, Second Timothy 3, verses 14 through 16, reminding Timothy not only of those scriptures that he had grown up knowing from babyhood, but also that which he has heard from the apostle, and then summarizing and reminding that all scripture is breathed out by God and is useful for that training and reproof and doctrine and correction uh, in righteousness um, to prepare to furnish the man of God for every good work. So when he says, I kept back nothing that was helpful, he does not mean he implemented all the programs and had the activities and planned all the retreats and instituted small groups and canceled preaching services in order to do so. No. He means he gave them the word. And we're going to hear more about that later because he's going to talk about the whole counsel of God and how that is actually necessary in order uh, for someone who is entrusted with the shepherding of souls not to be called to account for their blood, like the watchman in Ezekiel uh, 33. So every help is in the word, and using the word in every way, or in these two great ways that summarize all the different uh, types of the use of the word, he kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to them and taught them. Uh, this is uh, another way of, of saying what we often summarize when we say preaching and teaching, that labor to which some elders are called vocationally. You remember the elder being worthy of double honor in First Timothy, but especially the one whose, uh, whose labor is in preaching and teaching, or as the apostle says it here, but proclaimed it to you and taught you. The word proclaimed being a word that comes from the idea of being a messenger or an ambassador, a, a herald. He stands and gives a personal message from the one who sent him. Uh, and so it is not only to be uh, received as a verbal abstraction, a collection of words and thoughts and ideas to be considered. We will think about that actually in the next part when we think about and taught you. But it is 
a personal message expecting a personal response. It, it is the impact of the will and mind and personality of the one who is sending the word upon the life uh, of the one who is receiving the word. In preaching, you demand a response. You demand uh, an experience. Uh, and in hearing preaching, you ought to be experiencing God in the preaching and responding to God in how you receive and respond to the preaching. Not responding, not changing, not interacting with God is itself an incorrect response to preaching. And this is one of the things that we must fight, um, whether it's in family worship right now, when I am addressing you uh, in the morning and evening way that Deuteronomy 6 describes, telling the words of God to your children, uh, that you would uh, just kind of be going through the motions, waiting for it to end. Uh, we uh, do this not just because our flesh is resistant to responding to God and interacting with him, which it is, uh, but also uh, the, our creatureliness is just weak. Uh, we uh, we have days where we are more tired or where we are ill or where it's just a low brain function day for us. Uh, and yet these are means by which uh, we are called not just to listen, but to interact with the Lord in his work. And so this was uh, this was one primary thing he did, act as a herald, um, representing uh, God as his as God's ambassador, representing <coughs> Christ as Christ's ambassador, uh, and engaging the people that they would be engaged not with the preacher so much, although the preacher is the Lord's servant, and he is to be engaged with and interacted with in that capacity, but that they would be engaged with and interact with the Lord. He kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you. There is a, a necessary truth component, propositional, theological component to the ministry of the word. The, uh, in teaching, the minister, the elder, is to educate, he is to instruct and explain. He communicates doctrine. He tries to help the hearer understand how things fit together so that your mind will be stored with knowledge and understand a system of truth that reflects the way that truths fit together in the mind of God, as it were, uh, speaking as men do, uh, the way truth fits together in reality. Systematic theology is necessary because teaching is appointed by God to be uh, part of that which is helpful. And if we do not do systematic theology, if we do not do doctrine, if we do not do instruction uh, in understanding uh, the ideas uh, that describe the reality of who God is and who we are and how things came to be uh, this way and what God has done about it and so forth. Um, if we do not do that theology, then we are being kept back from what is helpful. 
There is a body of knowledge that every person needs, and the Lord's way of giving it to us is not merely or even primarily personal study. Someone who does personal study of the Bible would come, or should come, to Acts 20, verse 20, and say, Oh, God gives us teachers. I am supposed to learn from someone. I am not just supposed to, quote-unquote, do my own research. And God forbid that that euphemism that means I googled something and took a few results, and now I think I know as much as someone who has spent their life studying it. Even worse when it comes to the theology that the Lord teaches us in the Bible. And we read the Bible and we see, oh, he gives us teachers. There are those who keep back what is helpful from themselves by considering their own ideas uh, as the source uh, of their knowledge and training, uh, rather than seeking out to be taught by God. Neither of these two things, the preaching, the personal, urgent uh, demand for interaction with God, or the teaching, the systematic storing up of knowledge and understanding of how it fits together, neither of these should be left out of the ministry of the word. If there is preaching without teaching, then ministers are guilty for whatever empty-headedness there is in the flock and how easily they are uh, are turned away by ideas that seem interesting or even true and desirable to them. If there is preaching without teaching, then ministers are guilty for the empty-headedness of their flock. And if there is teaching without preaching, then ministers are guilty if their flock turns out to be empty-hearted. Those who know a ton of theology, they have no desire for God, no experience of Him, no affection towards others, no humility that ought to come with a great amount of knowledge in which you are experiencing God. But without the experience of God, a great amount of knowledge does what? Scripture says, knowledge puffs up. And so neither, uh, neither must be missing. In fact, if you have a very robust preaching ministry or a very robust teaching ministry, you have even greater need of the other. Uh, Lest what we end up with is a caricature, and that which is designed to be helpful to us, the Word of God, we actually end up having in a harmful way, lacking the application in the preaching, or lacking the doctrine in the teaching. And so, the Word gives every help, and it must be used in every way, uh, primarily in, under these two great categories that we see here, preaching and teaching. Uh, in every setting, the Lord has appointed two great institutions for our training. Uh, and the first is, uh, well, the first of the two mentioned here uh, is the church, and the second is the family. Uh, and elders have a ministry to both. Uh, elders, ministers, have a ministry first in the congregation, in the assembly in the public worship of God. This is one of the reasons why we call it the public worship of God, uh, is uh, after this passage, um, he proclaimed and taught publicly 
So to the church the apostle preached in the assembly of the people, in the gathering of the congregation. This is a, this is a primary, if not the primary part of the public worship of God. Hebrews, when it talks about not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, uh, when it talks about the great uh, glory of the Christian worship gathering over against everything else, the great glory of the Christian worship gathering is that in the assembly, Jesus addresses his church through the servant who preaches on earth, that it is Christ who declares uh, his father's name to us, that it is Christ who um, uh, who speaks from heaven. Uh, and we must, therefore, not neglect the salvation that he proclaims or refuse uh, him who speaks. Jesus addresses us uh, in public worship. And so in the preaching in public worship, it is both doctrinal preaching and applicational preaching. It is a preaching that teaches and it is a preaching that proclaims. Jesus comes by the preacher and he tells us particular things about himself that we are to believe. And when we believe him about himself, faith comes by hearing the word of God. And Jesus also comes to us by the preacher. And he addresses us with God's word in order to make us holy, just as he prayed would happen when he prayed to the Father, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And so there is the truth of the word that is addressed to us by Jesus himself in the preaching and in the teaching, and that he uses to bring us to faith, and that he uses to grow us in faith. And we must not keep ourselves from and we uh, anything helpful, and we must seek a ministry in which the elders are not keeping back anything helpful publicly. But there is also a ministry that is from house to house, a ministry that occurs primarily by the father and the husband. For the elders of the church cannot feasibly be in every home every day, and they are first and foremost officers in whom, whom God has placed in the congregation, not just in the home. Indeed, the home is the training ground, and we are taught by scripture to recognize those whose shepherding the Lord has blessed in their homes. Their ministry to their wife and to their children is one of the ways by which you can observe and see whom God is calling to the office of a shepherd, an overseer, a pastor, an elder in the congregation. But the apostle did not just leave it to the husbands and fathers to minister in their homes. The elders are to go into the homes from time to time and address as Jesus's representatives, address each household, each family, with the word from the Lord, urging upon them that which they have been hearing in the public ministry, urging upon them that which is contained in the scriptures. The elders are to go into the homes from time to time and to teach them, to see where the family is doctrinally, to find out what the husband has been preaching and teaching among his own family, and to back him up, to reinforce. Yes, these are the things that Christ preaches and teaches. 
You should teach these things to your family and preach them to your family or to the family. You should heed your husband. You should heed your father uh, as he preaches and teaches these things to you. Now, this sounds like a very strange practice to us because we live in a day and time uh, where this uh, regular elder visitation that facilitates and holds accountable and reinforces and supports the husband and father ministry in the home um, has fallen off. But there have been times uh, when this was recovered, times of reformation, uh, which is just another word for recovering things the Bible says that we fall out of practice of doing according to the word of God. And it has been much blessed in those times as we would expect it to be, because God's word here calls it part of that helpful, uh, those helpful things, nothing of which the apostle had held back or kept back, and nothing of which uh, we would want uh, to have kept back. So the Lord helping us, uh, we will do this as much as we may, as much as we might. Uh, for you, you have the blessing um, of uh, as imperfect uh, as I am, and as uh, as we fail much and stumble much in many things, but you do have the blessing of having one of the Lord's elders, one of his ministers, to be husband and father in your home, to, to teach these things to you, to urge them upon you, uh, to lead you in praying to God uh, for them, and so forth. But one of the things that we can pray for and seek from God is that first he would help me in the preaching on the Lord's Day, uh, and that we would not just have it in one ear, out the other. Oh yes, that does seem to be God's design. Wouldn't that be interesting and maybe even helpful if we did that? And then a few months down the road, you remember that one time that pastor preached about uh, pastoral visitation and elder visitation? That sure was interesting. I wonder why we never did it. May the Lord spare us from it, because I have taught this once already, and we may well say the same thing, actually. The vast majority of the church that is here now were not here at the time that I taught that. May the Lord give us, give me courage and leadership and boldness and determination. Let give us all that we would have different results this time around, God helping us. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we praise you for how you have devised to glorify yourself, especially in the Son, whom you have called for us, your word, uh, and how you have invented language and communication as something that imitates how the Lord Jesus, how your Son proceeds from you, uh, and have blessed to us then your very own words, and exalted your word above all your name. We praise you, O God, for it. We thank you then for giving us to have your word at the heart uh, of your worship. Uh, we pray, Lord, that whether in our family worship or whether in the public worship, you would give us your word in the various ways that we should have it. Lord, help us to respond. Help us to receive uh, your words as from you and interact with you uh, by your word. Uh, grant to us by your spirit and the fellowship that he gives us with himself 
with you, our triune God, uh, to know you personally, to interact with you personally, uh, and grant to us to understand what your word teaches, to have our minds stored up so that we may know and understand uh, and have facility with the truth. Oh Lord, forgive us, uh, for you have given us everything that is helpful, and we have kept back much from ourselves. Uh, and yet you have been patient with us, and you have persisted with us, and here we are still receiving from your word and your great kindness and generosity to us. And so we pray that in the same love in which you continue to give it, you would come by your spirit and attend with your power and grant to us to be more conformed to it. Grant all these things, we ask, for Christ's glory and using his name in which he has given us to be able to come to you. And so we do ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.